This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Here we are, December 14th. 2014 episode 81 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, as always, and sitting across from me is my beautiful companion co-host, Brittany Page. Here I am. There you are. Like I always am. All 36 years old Hmm, and counting. How dare you? (laughs) No. Last night, we went to a Christmas party. Um, north of San Diego, North San Diego County, and one of my good friends invited us. Um, and he's great. We had a great time. Him and his his girlfriend are awesome. And uh, interesting cast of characters were also invited. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I just uh, it was a good it was a good time. It was a very good time. Awesome catered Mexican food, delicious oh, yeah. food, so, very good food. In fact, I want to find the name of that place because right. it's. We need to hit that place up. Yes. But uh, as always, when you infuse alcohol mm. and social situations with many people who don't know one another, right. it, it seemed as though the preponderance, most people didn't know one another at this party. Yes. Anyway, needless to say, when you add alcohol in those certain circumstances, interesting situations will arise. Mm-hmm. And Brittany... I I tend to, you know, be more of a social butterfly and kind of go from conversation to conversation and it happens sometimes that Brittany gets mm-hmm. I don't want to say abandoned. Right. Uh, I think Brittany would use the word abandon. But I left you alone with that lady and uh what happened? Yeah, so you left me alone with a woman and she was very very intoxicated. Very intoxicated. And I was trying to have a conversation with her. And unfortunately, earlier in the night, she had learned that I'm in school for clinical psychology. That always ends up bad. It always seems like someone on a plane that you sit next to when they find out what you're doing, they turn it into, oh, that's going to be pro bono session. (laughs) Yes. So there was a little bit of personal things being talked about and you know she she was very intoxicated so I was handling it just fine and and you know agreeing I mean not agreeing but taking everything and trying to be agreeable while the situation was occurring of course and at one point she asked me how old are you are you 36 and awesome I said (laughs) no I'm 25 yeah so, and then her response, her immediate response was, "Oh, you have such an old soul. You have an old soul." But the thing is, she didn't ask me how old my soul was. Right. She was talking about the age of my face. Right. Which so... is which is fucking well. Then she proceeded to tell you that she's a, she's just like Barbie. She's a Barbie. She did say that about herself. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That she wasn't a Barbie. After that, she asked me how old you were, and I think sometimes my age gets colored by your age, right? I'm yeah, a guest. Maybe. I'm a guest of yours at the party, so people are like, "Well, 
he looks this age, she must be similar in age. Yeah. That kind of thing. I guess, I guess. So she she might have been having that go on. But at the same time, she was very intoxicated. And one of the first questions that she asked us upon meeting us was, what is your sign? I just wrote that down. You did it again. Very interesting that that was about an hour prior to that. And she hadn't even... So she wasn't even as, as, as lubricated with liquor as she was when you were accosted by her. Right. But th- that's th- that in and of itself is a weird thing to me when people ask that question straight away. Well, I've heard it made fun of so much at this point that I... I don't be- I couldn't believe that someone was asking it seriously. Like I gave a little I gave a pause after just a little beat to see if it was a joke. It's hard for me not to aggressively shit on astrology when it comes up in conversation, even if it's casually like that, like what's your sign because I'm going to peg what what you are. You know right, what I mean? Right. And there have been times in my life where I've because I don't want to get into it and talk about it at all. Because one, I don't really know anything about it. If, if if someone tells me their when their birthday is, unless it's right around my birthday, I have no idea what their sign is. I have no no fucking idea. None. Right. Right. I'm kind of proud of that. <laughs> I'm equally as proud of that as I am that right now I have no idea where an Applebee's is. You know what I mean? <laughs> Those little things are bad little points of pride for me. I would agree. That's a good so, thing. So I have in my life. Pretended I had no idea what sign I was. But you didn't do that this time. I didn't. But I did. I started down the the road of shitting on astrology by, yeah, well, you probably think I'm like a Taurus or something. And then I just said, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cancer. And then I don't know what her response was. Something she about said, I'm a Taurus. Oh, she's a Taurus. Yeah. Well, because always that question is, it's less about the person that they're asking and more about the person that's asking it. Oh, so right. what's your sign? You say what you are. Oh, I'm a Taurus. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of yeah, how yeah, that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, very fun night. We did this um, white elephant type of gift exchange, which was you know, kind of fun. It went a little long, but it, it was fun. We got kind of a, cornered over there. It, in the corner of the room by their elderly neighbors <laughs> and the lady, the things you don't talk about at a party. And I'm happy to not talk about them unless someone brings them up. And then I'm all, I'm all game, which would be politics, religion, those type of things. But she immediately went into this thing about her mom went nuts when she found out she was a Republican and how Reagan, the two presidents from Illinois are the greatest presidents and well, the arguments that she gets it. I didn't even talk about anything. She was also hammered. Oh, hammered. I mean, falling over hammered. Yeah. And that's why the white elephant gift party took so long. And what was surprising to me, because I don't, I'm not someone who likes to get uh, sloppy drunk, especially right. in situations where I'm around strangers. Yeah. Because I just, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to have that situation well, going on. You're someone who's very in control and you don't like to lose control. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just, I would feel like people are judging me the way I judge them. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say I was being judgmental. I'm just saying that I was noticing very intoxicated individuals. And the woman that you abandoned me 
with. She had she kissed me on the cheek. She oh, was yeah. holding my hand. You said it was a slobbery. It was a slobbery kiss on my cheek. Yeah. And I had to wipe it off. Yeah. And she was holding my hand and hugging me a lot. And I'm not really a touchy feely person. I don't know if people are picking up on that at this point yet. <laughs> and well, so certainly not with people you don't know. Right. So it was a little like ooh, boundary things right. happening here. Well, and then there's one last thing I want to get to before we end this. I don't want to go too long. Um at the end of the of the gift exchange, there was one gift that I was eyeing because I unexpectedly got to go and steal a gift, and I decided on a bottle of booze rather than the gift that I was really wanting. There was a Chia pet that was Cy Robertson, yeah, the Duck Dynasty douchebag that just I think is the one that just died. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I made it to the people who won the gift who apparently was a, a, a psychologist. I just don't buy it, though. Apparently, well, this is what happened. They had the gift, and I said, oh, yeah, I was going to steal that. We made a joke. We were laughing. I go, yeah. I said, uh, you've got a chia pet of, a, of a, a homophobic racist. And what did he say? He said, we're just going to go yeah. ahead and leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. And then walked away. Like, Snoodly. And I was, ooh. <laughs> and that was my initial reaction. But everyone else that was left in the circle after he left just carried on as though nothing had happened. And then after we all, you know, went our own separate ways, I looked to you and I'm like, uh, that was very awkward. Well, here's the <laughs> thing. When you, the good thing about Duck Dynasty fans is that they're easy to spot because they've got camouflage hats on. And that you can, you, you know what I mean. I mean, not necessarily literally climb a fall chest, but they look like a certain kind of guy. This guy was not your died to the wool conservative. This guy doesn't log a lot of hours watching Hannity every week. You know what I mean? Right. So it shocked me when that, when that was the reaction because Cy Robertson is a homophobic racist. That's right. just the way it is. But like you were just saying, <laughs> you were surprised at that old woman that she was bringing up things that aren't necessarily talked about at parties. And then you kind of pulled yeah, a fast I, one there too. It wasn't serious. It was clearly meant to be a joke. Even if I didn't believe it or believed it, it was meant to be a jovial, funny joke. Everyone else thought it was a little funny. It was just you know, up his own ass guy with the green velvet sport coat that wanted to walk away. Right. You look very alarmed. You are just a hater. I'm not a hater. Right now. You look alarmed that I just described what he was wearing because it's clearly everyone's, if anyone does listen to this There's the only one person on earth that owns a green velvet blazer. <laughs> Well, I don't think he had it custom made, so there's probably mm, more than one. It looked custom made. <laughs> I've never seen one of those before in my life. Yeah, it was. It was vintage, plush, like velour. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was Christmassy. It was a Christmas party. Anyway, guy who wants to defend homophobic racists. I don't think that's what was happening. And then again, you also have to take into consideration everyone was hammed yeah. at this party. We were not. So I don't know. I definitely was not. Yeah, neither of us. And well, I think I that's... drove home. I certainly was not. Oh, yeah. We were both. We're not. And <laughs> Jesus, I forgot. Um... <laughs> so anyway, we, we, we stayed the appropriate amount of time, had um, zero meaningful conversations except with the host of the party. Right. Who was your friend? Yeah. And uh, 
got back in the car and drove the hour north back home to Orange County. You know, we did have a good time, though. It and was we, a good time. And your friend is awesome, and his girlfriend, was, they are so awesome to have the party and, and everything. And we did still have a good time. It's just there's something about people that live in Southern California, especially uh, on the coast. It's, it's just bizarre. a very uppity, narcissistic. There's a certain kind of... There's just an attitude that people have. Well, let's put it this, this way. Superficial. There was more plastic surgery dollars spent in that room, in that house, uh, last night than, I mean, how many thousands of dollars collectively were spent in that, in that particular house? Oh, I have no idea. Tens and tens of thousands of dollars. It was, it's a crowd that has a little money and sometimes new money and they go a little nutty with the, with the fake boobs and the, and the stretched out faces. Well, and that's just symptomatic. The bloated of, lips. It's symptomatic of living in Orange County, living yeah. in this area. Yeah. Because that's, people need to present a certain image, unfortunately. Well, and, we've, we've talked to people who are, who have grown up here. Right. Who, who don't, un, they don't recognize that plasticky, weird, fake lips look that many, many, many women have. Oh, right. And they just think, what, well, I don't understand. And we point, we'll, we'll show pictures. He goes, oh, that's plastic surgery? They, yeah. Women don't naturally have duck lips, <laughs> a, a duck bill affixed to their face. It's it's uncommon. It's right. It's manufactured. Yeah. So or older women with perfect skin. Right. Stretched out. You know, the 75 year old lady who loves Reagan, who has zero lip wrinkles at all. None. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's impressive. <laughs> right. right. Well, anyway. Thank you, uh, anonymous friend who uh, had us over to their house. It was a, a very good time, and we we appreciate it. Another thing we appreciate, and we want to get this out of the way very quickly, I want to thank everybody who is donating on the Patreon page. It's not a great deal of people, and it is not um, a tremendous amount of money, but every single penny that's donated is greatly appreciated. Um we we hope that we bring you as much um, entertainment and information and passion for moving the conversation forward as we are are feeling the love and appreciation from you in the form of one your listenership but also uh, the the money that you're donating out of your your daily lives it's uh, very much appreciated yeah that's awesome and Patreon is a good website to do that because you can set your own amount twenty five cents. 50 cents per episode and you can set a monthly maximum and it won't charge any more than you want it to and it's just a really easy way to to do that if you want to right patreon.com slash i doubt it with dollamore and that is all that we'll say about that there's a lot more we're gonna say just oh i thought we were gonna end the episode now all right everybody thanks So uh, we, the Democrats just dropped their torture report. I think that's the, the new euphemism of what it's being called. That actually might even be the official title. But we're going to do a little follow-up on it. Dick Cheney did an interview with, uh, with um, Meet the Press. And he had some... Well, Dick Cheney is... A t- I mean, listen, if there is a Darth Vader-type figure that exists in real life, it is most certainly Dick Cheney. Torture was something that was very carefully avoided. It implies that you have a definition of what torture is. What is it? Well, torture to me, uh, Chuck, is uh, an American citizen um, 
on his cell phone making a last call to his four young daughters shortly before he burns to death in the upper levels of the Trade Center in New York City on 9-11. Um, there, there's this notion that somehow there's moral equivalence between what the terrorists did and what we do, and that's absolutely not true. We were very careful to stop short of torture. The Senate has seen fit to, to uh, label their report torture, but uh, we worked hard to stay short of that, uh, of that definition. Well, what is that definition? Definition is the one that was provided uh, by the uh, uh, Office of Legal Counsel. We went specifically to them because we did not want to cross that line into where we were violating some international agreement that we'd signed up to. Uh, they specifically authorized and okayed for exactly exactly what we did. All of the techniques that were authorized by the president uh, were in effect blessed by the Justice Department opinion that we could go forward to those without in fact uh, committing torture. Let me go through some of those techniques that were used. Majid Khan uh, was then suspected of in, uh, was subjected to involuntary rectal feeding and rectal hydration. It included two bottles of Ensure. Later in the same day Majid Khan's lunch tray consisting of hummus, pasta, sauce, nuts and raisins was pureed and rectally infused. That does it meet the definition of torture? That does not meet the definition of what was used in the program. Oh, I understand, but does that meet the definition was, of torture in your mind? In my mind, I've told you what meets the definition of torture. It's what uh, 19 guys armed with airline tickets and, and uh, box cutters did to 3,000 Americans on 9-11. What was done here apparently uh, certainly was not one of the techniques that was approved. I believe it was done for medical reasons. Well, there is no, I mean, medical community has said there is no medical If you go and look, for example, at uh, uh, Jose Rodriguez's book, mm -hmm. and he was the guy running the program, right. he's got a very clear um, uh, description of how, in fact, the program operated. With respect to that, the, uh, I think the agency has answered it in its response to the committee report. And but you acknowledge this was over and above. That was not something that was done as part of the interrogation program. But you won't call it torture. Um, it wasn't torture in terms of it wasn't part of the program. Dick Cheney, if any of you have seen A Few Good Men, the Aaron Sorkin movie, um, Dick Cheney is the closest thing that I've ever seen to the character Colonel Nathan Jessup. Because if Chuck, Which is Jack Nicholson's That's character. right, the, Jack, the, the you can't handle the truth guy. And the reason I say that is because I feel like it, it just, I get this, foreboding feeling come over me that if Chuck Todd, the host of, of Meet the Press, if he was to push just a little harder that Cheney will fly into a rage and explode like Colonel Nathan Jep Jessup did because he wants to say, yeah, fuck them. We did torture them. We He wants to, he he's not ashamed of it. Right. It pains him to have to mealy mouth around and not just come right out and say, yeah, you're goddamn right we tortured them. They deserved it because they killed all those people. Now, it could be argued that that's okay. I don't believe that's okay. That true torture, as we talked about on the last episode, real torture, I do have a problem with. The anal thing, the anal feeding and the anal hydration, rectal, they're going to use the other word. But don't kid yourself. If someone does not want you to be near, in, and around their beehole, you shouldn't be around it. Yeah, that's that's torture. It's rape at the very least, and torture at the most. You're putting something into their butt that they don't want there. You're putting something that people don't even want to put into their mouths into their butt. Nobody likes insure.
<laughs> you know what I mean? That's not something anybody wants. Also, that meal sounded good, but not pureed together. Yeah. So come on, that's a problem. Pine nuts. That's pretty torturous, right there. Yeah. Yikes. I know I like to play the game of how many garbanzo beans I can fit in my beehole. <laughs> it's a fun little pastime. Mm-hmm. I didn't know those were what anal beads were, but <laughs> I, wow. I, <laughs> what I like about Dick Cheney's answer is he's he's asked to define what torture is, and then he defines it by what it's not. That's right. Like he's not answering the question. Well, he's that's one of the other things is that I don't know how he got so far along in a political career, a lifelong political career, um, by not being a better evasive question answerer. Because politicians are usually very skilled at dodging and redirecting, answering a question that wasn't asked. And he doesn't do that at all. He just, well, I'll tell you what's, what, you know, do you think that's torture? Well, I'll tell you what's torture, you know, calling the. That is torture. I believe that would be considered torture. The guy having to call his daughters and he's getting ready to burn to death. That's terrible. But it doesn't mean that shoving purified hummus and pine nuts into someone's beehole isn't torture. That is also torture. So we're answering torture with torture. Waterboarding? That's debatable. I'm not sure. Making someone stand up for 20 hours? Eh, I don't think that's torture. I think that's inconvenient. I will say I watched the video of Christopher Hitchens being waterboarded and I had never, I didn't really know what the process was. I'm just going to be honest. And I was very anxious watching that happen. And it's probably because I love Christopher Hitchens. So it was making me very uncomfortable watching it happen to him. Yeah, but they're not drowning. I know that. They're not at risk of drowning. Christopher Hitchens says you are. Of course, he was there. It feels terrible. Yeah. It's like having your head held down in a, in, in, even in a tub. It's, right. It's panic inducing. And that, that is the reason that they do it. Right. So if you haven't, if you don't really know what waterboarding is or you, you w- would like to see, just Google Christopher Hitchens being waterboarded. It's, it's on YouTube. He did it for Vanity Fair. Yeah. You know, maybe Dick Cheney is the worst human being. Well, first of all, he, he enjoyed, power unlike no other vice president in the history of the office the the office of vice president of the united states other than being next in line when the president dies if he or she happens to to die um is largely ceremonial there's really nothing that you do you go to funerals you become a a, a laughing stock in the butt of jokes like Al Gore was, like Dan Quayle was, like Joe Biden is. Right. (laughs) And Dick Cheney didn't really fill that role. Dick Cheney was an actual policy influencer. He influenced the president and had the right ear of the president. And that is a bummer because he is a he's a terrible, terrible man who I don't believe has much integrity, if any. So that's a bummer. The other thing that we found interesting about this article, at least I, I found it interesting, was some of the tactics that were used by the CIA in the course of these interrogations was playing music. Right. Well, blaring music at detainees <laughs> for 24 hours a day sometimes. And they list some of the the songs that were were played. And so one of those songs that it talks about is the Blues Brothers version of Rawhide. You mean like Rawhide? 
like the 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 old western like the rolling rolling that one that would be the correct one that would be aggravating yeah it doesn't sound like a great time no and so they didn't really have like a playlist for torture that they put in the torture report because that right. would that wouldn't well, make sense look at it this way if 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 i was to be tortured the music that would torture me almost the most would probably be the muslim call to prayer that would ugh that would just grate on me because it's not it's not melodious it's you know it's it's terrible to my palate my my ear palate right so playing music that they're not used to or don't aren't familiar with is probably terrible for them Right, and the two most common genres that are played for detainees are metal and country. Yeah, I understand the country. Because they are distinctly American genres. Right, right. So that would make me want to die as well, especially the country <laughs> music. Um, I would tell whatever they needed to hear to make that stop. You would just flip right away. They're honky-tonk, trucks, yeah. tractors, <laughs> Wheat I fields. I don't. Louisville slugger to both headlights. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't want any part of that. So, um, in addition to the torture report, there was a 2008 AP report that talked about the various music that was played, and some of those songs included Eminem's "White America." Wow. Well, I could see where where gangsta rap would certainly be. On the list. Well, they're also saying he's also saying white America, and it's probably just making them like, oh, look, it's America over and over. White America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would also play Kim by Eminem. I'm not. I know the song. I'm sure. I just can't recall it. To... Well, I imagine it's very angry and terrible. Right. Because right. it's about Kim. <laughs> right. It's certainly not a love ballad. No. And they would also play the Barney and Friends theme song uh, over and over. That would be. Well, one time is bad enough. I can't imagine it blasting for 25 hours or so. Right. They would also play Drowning Pool Bodies. Oh, that's the, the bodies at the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. These guys know what they're doing. You know, you kind of start to like it after a no, while. No, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. Well, if you've seen that YouTube video, you would like it. <laughs> but they probably haven't. Um, The Metallica Inter Sandman. So they just like to play songs that are going to create road rage in a person. I mean, that's that, because this music, this is why I either listen to talk radio in the car or KUSC, which is like classical, because I have to remain serene and it's not fury inducing music. Yeah, that makes sense. That's probably a probably a good idea. Right. And then the last one that they reference is probably the worst of them all. And it is the Meow Mix commercial jingle. I don't, I don't know what's what what's wrong with that here don't what why is it looping turn it off oh no it's it's gonna be the backtrack to the it's no it's done no is it torture what's going on yeah I don't like it it's upsetting my tongue what's wrong it's, here, this is the worst part. Wait, right here. That one. That's the worst part. <laughs> yeah, that is the worst part. This is our new theme song, so I, you better just get used to it. All right. <laughs> What's happening to I you? Don't here, know. turn it off. I'm serious. No. I'm telling you, it's going to stay. It's going to be stuck in everyone's head. Make it stop. <laughs> You're so evil. 
Hey. You're terrorizing everyone that listens to this meow, podcast. Meow, 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 meow. Yeah. Can you imagine hearing that for 24 hours a day? And not at that volume that you were just listening to it. At a substantially increased, more magnified level. I mean, it would be blasting the meow, meow. You know. Meow, 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 meow. I think it would be okay for me because I can sleep under any conditions and I would I would eventually get used to it and just be able to sleep. So you could sleep through any condition while they're while they're shoveling like 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 coal into the oven of a of a steamship. They're shoveling hummus into your bee hole. You're just sound asleep. Mm, wee, bee, bee, no, bee. no, wee, bee, no, bee, 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 bee. no. Any kind of <laughs> Any kind of violation in that way is probably not included you in what might, I can sleep you through. You might be roused from your slumber. Maybe. Roused, not aroused. Roused, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Oh, my God. Wow. You just shot me daggers. I seriously feel sick from hearing that song. Don't play it again. Oh, my God. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Hillary Clinton is the subject of our first story. Yeah. She garnered the most votes in a CNBC survey that asked 500 millionaires who they would choose for president. She came in a comfortable front runner at 31%. 31. And who came in second? That would be Mr. Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush. At 18%. And then the remaining votes were split between seven other politicians, including Chris Christie, who was at 14%, and Elizabeth Warren, who was at 8%. There's a lot of hubbub surrounding Elizabeth Warren. That's that's a no-go. She has about as much chance as a nomination as um, Ron Paul. She's She's as nutty as Ron Paul. So oh, I, wow. That's I not, didn't know that. That's not going to happen. So, well, but- she's, listen, she's the one. She's the one who was running for office in Massachusetts. She was the Harvard professor who claimed to have been an Indian, American Indian. And then they, oh. they traced her lineage and found out she was just a liar. Right. So she's it's that's out of problem. control. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. Problem. So voters in this poll were divided roughly equally between Republicans and Democrats and the independent-minded. Each had investable assets of at least $1 million, putting them in the top 8% of American households. So that's who voted on who they wanted to be president. So it's kind of interesting because the majority, although it's 31%, wanted Hillary Clinton. And typically, liberal candidates are the ones who want to tax the rich, to give to the poor. That is all true. However, Americans, whether they be millionaires or whether they're not, don't they have a very um, short attention, a short attention span. So because of the fact that Jeb Bush is not in the forefront right now, he's not. It's kind of an out of sight, out of mind thing that once he once he gets out there and starts talking and gets into their head, oh, they see him and they hear him. Oh, yeah, he does make a lot of sense. They're going to. They're going to start appreciating him more, and that that number will rise significantly. Also, he's very well known in Florida, and he's relatively—I wouldn't even say relatively—where his name is well known elsewhere. But people don't really know about what he stands for. So, once he gets out there, that number 
any of those poll numbers of what the voters, you know, what the pulse of the voters is or what they're taking the temperature, they don't mean anything right now. So it's interesting to talk about, hence why we're talking about it, but they don't really mean anything. Right. Well, maybe all of the millionaires that were in the survey, all 500 of them were John Stewart. <laughs> you know, I would venture to say that he's more of an Elizabeth Warren person. Mm. He's pretty far left. Right. I mean, despite what Chris Rock said in that interview. That he's moderate? Yeah, that he's he's the he's the moderate and and uh Bill Maher is the crazy lefty. Yeah, no. Come on. Come on. Everyone knows that's not true there, guy. And we love John Stewart, don't get us wrong. I'm not I mean, you certainly do, but yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not uh, taking a dump on 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 John Stewart. I I appreciate him and love him a lot. I think his show is not as good as it was was certainly not as good since John Oliver took his head writer. You know, right, right. Which that show is awesome. Yeah. So, anyway. So, Michelle Bachman is um leaving the House of Representatives. I wish I had an applause sound effect. I came in late. <laughs> you did come in late. So, uh, she's leaving the House of Representatives, and she recently gave her farewell, I want to say farewell address, but it really gives her too much. It gives her a lofty uh, imagery. She gave her farewell speech on the floor of the House of Representatives and invoked Moses as our divine kind of inspiration for our laws and the Ten Commandments, and it tied it in. Anyway, she's a nutter, clearly, but uh, <laughs> it's funny, so here it is. And as I look about this chamber, we are ringed with the silhouettes of lawgivers throughout history. Hammurabi, various lawgivers throughout all of time. And yet only one lawgiver has the distinction of not having a silhouette but having the full face be revealed by the artist. That lawgiver is Moses. Moses is directly above the double doors that lead into the centermost part of this chamber. And in the law, in the face of Moses, his eyes look straight upon not only our nation's motto, in God we trust, but Mo Moses' face looks full on into the face of the Speaker of the House. Daily, the Speaker of the House, as he stands up in his authority and in his podium, recognizes that he is a man under authority, just as Moses was a man under authority. Because you see, Mr. Speaker, Moses is given as the for the full honor of the greatest lawgiver in this chamber, because he was chosen by the God that we trust to be entrusted with the basis of all law. The basis of all law, as was written by Blackstone, the famous English jurist, was the Ten Commandments that were given by none other than the God we trust on Mount Sinai. We know those laws. Those laws are the fundamental laws of mankind. And here in the United States, the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses is the very foundation of the law that has given the happiness and the rise of the greatest prosperity that any nation has known before. Mr. Speaker, 
It could be no coincidence that this nation, knowing and enjoying the heights of such great happiness and such great prosperity, that it could be built upon that foundation of the Ten Commandments and of the law given by the God in whom we trust. I like all the the fake, the fake, uh, oh, I'm so emotional. <laughs> anyway, let me tell you a little bit about Moses. Um, There was a group, an alleged group, uh, a legendary, uh, it's a biblical group, so who knows, but called the Midianites. And Moses ordered his followers to go out and slaughter, murder, go to war, and wipe out the Midianites. Yikes. So he sends off his army, his thousands of his troops, to go and slay the Midianites. So the, the Israelites, they return uh, after having killed the five Midianite kings and all the other Midianite adult males. They loot all the cities, and they burn them, they destroy them, and they take all the women and children into, into captivity. So when they get back to Moses... They're like, hey, look what we did, blah, blah, blah. They got all these women and children, and Moses is pissed. And he says, and this is scriptural, and Moses says, have you kept all the women alive? These women caused the children of Israel to trespass against the Lord. So what does he do, Brittany? I don't know. Moses, this man that Michelle Bachman is lauding, just, just blanketing praise upon, he orders that all of the non-virgin women captives be murdered. They're killed. So you, I'm assuming you're not a virgin, uh, you would be murdered. You'd be killed. Well, that's not very nice. Yeah. All the boy children captives, murdered. Five-year-old boy, murdered. Two-month-old boy, murdered. Because, you know, they were they transgressed against the old, uh, the old Jehovah. Well, aside from that which is which is a bummer yeah she really shouldn't even be saying any of what she said where she of course said it. not that's not it though then all of the virgin women they become the property and they they, they can be used by the israelite men right i was avoiding wanting to know what happened to the virgin women yeah i know they didn't die for a reason it's disgusting so this is the man she's holding up as some high example of morality and, well, um, he gave the laws. Of, yeah, he's the lawgiver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just it's, like she. It's terrible. It is terrible. So that leads us to where we are today. And as you're listening to this, December 15th, we are three years removed from the death of Christopher Hitchens. He died December 15th, 2011. And because of her passing, her leaving the, the, the House of Representatives... I wanted to play Christopher Hitchens' take on what he believes the Ten Commandments should be. Also as a tribute, because um, if you don't know about Christopher Hitchens, one, get your head checked. What have you been doing with your life? But also, just go on YouTube and look up, just search Best of Christopher Hitchens and... That's a rabbit hole, my friends. That, you You'll have, there's a video called The Best of the Hitch Slap, which is like a 16-minute mashup of just fantastic things right. that he said. But he's a journalist. He's a fantastic author. There, I It makes me depressed when I read his writing because I will never, yeah. I will never be able to write like that. Like, no matter how hard I try. 
so he, here's a little snippet of of Christopher Hitchens kind of formulating what he believes the Ten Commandments should be. How might uh, Decalogue look if it was written for the 21st century? I never quite trust myself beginning a sentence by saying, thou shalt not, but let's see if we can adapt this famous question. Number one, do not condemn people on the basis of their ethnicity or their color. Number two, do not ever even think of using people as private property or as owned or as slaves. Three, despise those who use violence or the threat of it in sexual relations. Number four, hide your face and weep if you dare to harm a child. Number five, do not condemn people for their inborn nature. Why would God create so many homosexuals only in order to torture and destroy them. Number six, be aware that you too are an animal and dependent on the web of nature. Try and think and act accordingly. Number seven, don't imagine that you can escape judgment if you rob people with a false prospectus rather than with a knife. Number eight, turn off that fucking cell phone. You can have no idea how unimportant your call is to us. Number nine, Denounce all jihadists and crusaders for what they are. Psychopathic criminals with ugly delusions and terrible sexual repressions. Number 10, be willing to renounce any God or any faith if any holy commandments should contradict any of the above. In short, don't swallow your moral code in tablet form. I like that a lot. Don't, don't swallow it in tablet form. Right. Well, I mean, how superior are those commandments to the Ten Commandments you find in the Bible? Especially number eight. <laughs> Turn off your fucking cell phone. <laughs> you have no idea how unimportant your call is to us. <laughs> yeah. You do such a better accent than me. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Hermione Granger. Ronald Weasley. <laughs> you are a masterful, a, a master of dialect. I have only to say. of the Harry Potter characters. No, no. And only all. those three Harry Potter characters. Because <laughs> Snape isn't one I can do. Um, but yeah, I I just love that he added in the racism one, the yeah. slavery one. I mean, these these are things that Rape. very obviously should have been included in rules right. for society. Right. Even from the beginning. There should have been no question for someone who knows everything. Right? Right. Well, rape, not in the Ten Commandments. Racism, yeah, not in there. Slavery, certainly not in there. In fact, there are laws prescribing how you treat and even how you obtain your slaves in the Bible. So anyway, we could we could certainly do a better job uh, than we're doing. And I believe that, you know, maybe we should design a new set of Ten Commandments. What do you, what do you think? You think we could get some audience participation on that? Yeah, I don't think we could do better than Hitchens, but we can try. Oh, I think that we could... Uh... Although he did just throw one of them out about the cell phone, so <laughs> we could replace that with something better. Well, we could... If we had our audience submit to us what they believe, however many, we could categorize... I mean, we're going to get a lot of repeats. We could categorize, categorize, end up with 30, and then we could whittle it down by process of... By vote or committee. Right. Um, some kind of a survey or whatever. We could do something like that. Right. Yeah, why don't we do that? 
That is the number. I love when we come up with spontaneous things. Um, I doubt it at dollamore.com. If you'd like to record yourself on your smartphone and mail it in again, I doubt it at dollamore.com. And you don't have to come up with all 10. You no, can, no, you any. can send in a couple or you can make your own list. You and... can come up with one or 30, however yeah. many you want. We don't even have to, it doesn't have to be 10 commandments. We could have 12 commandments. It's going to be the I doubt it commandments. Well, we're trying to move the conversation forward. And what better way to do so than to come up with rock solid, time tested commandments or proclamations or suggestions toward a better life? Tell me about today's Pew Research. We need, you know what we need? We need theme music to have another segment on the show that's Pew Research. That's what we need. Because we talk about Pew Research and research and study and statistics a lot on the show. And we need a new segment. It should be me naming the Harry Potter characters with my British accent. that is not going to happen. Okay. You just got vetoed. All right. So (laughs) we have two uh, Pew Research surveys for you to share, for me to share with you. And... (laughs) The first one is... I almost spit out my drink. (laughs) The first one is, what is the greatest threat to the world? And it depends on where you live. So... You mean the... What people think the the most most dangerous threat to the world, that depends on where you live. Right. Not the actual threat. No. So people from different countries, different segments of the world have different concerns about what they feel the greatest threat to the world is. Okay. So... Infectious disease and AIDS tops the concerns Africa. in yep yeah, sub-Saharan sure. Africa. Right, right. How'd you know? <laughs> Come on. I mean, unless you live in Dallas, it, it, you know, Presbyterian Methodist Hospital or whatever the fuck it is. Okay, Europeans worry about inequality, the gap between the rich and the poor. Okay. Uh, here's one that you you'll surely be able to guess: religious and ethnic hatred is the top danger for those in. I I don't know. The Middle East. That's what they think? Yes. As they promulgate that exact thing, that's what they think? Okay. Why don't they just, if they if they recognize that that's the biggest danger, why don't they just stop? Across the seven <laughs> Middle Eastern countries surveyed, a median of 34% see religious and ethnic hatred as the world's top threats. I would venture to say though that they believe it's the racial and religious hatred of the other side that's going to end the world. Not that they're doing. It's the other side against them, not what they're doing to the other side. Right. And Ugh. and they kind of break it down by country as well. So the, the, the highest percentage that believes that religious and ethnic hatred pose the greatest threat to the world is Lebanon with 58%. Hmm. That's weird because Lebanon is more... It's not quite 50-50. I'd say it's probably 60-40 Muslim, Christian, or Caledonian. Um, but because of the influence of Syria, and we're not, I'm not going to give you some international um, political lesson here, but Syria has really interfered there. And blah, blah, blah. Hezbollah is what it is. Right. So the United States, well, let's let's skip the United States for now because they break it down by... <laughs> political party and yeah. such. Yeah. So the last one on the list is Japan. And what do you think they're most concerned with? Uh, volcanoes, Godzilla, or or Fukushima, or whatever the name of that. Uh, well, you're close. Is it is it tsunamis? Nuclear weapons. All right. Yes. Well, that's all right. That's yeah. a little weird. Yeah. Okay. So in the U.S., was this, was this poll taken in like 1965? No, it was not. <laughs> it is very recent. All right. This year. 
So in the United States, Republicans and Democrats see different threats. What? Weird. I can't imagine that. Okay, so many name inequality, and I wonder if you could guess who names inequality the most. I would say Democrats name inequality the most. Right, 35%. Okay. And overall, when you just pull the United States together, Mm -hmm. their top concern, 27%, is inequality. Their second most concern is 24% religious and ethnic hatred. Okay. And third is nuclear weapons. Okay. At 23%. That's weird to me. Now, now, hang on. Address the Republicans. You just talked about Democrats. Well, inequality. I'm saving the good stuff for last. Oh, it's the good stuff. Right. Okay. Okay. okay so, Republicans, 35% to which one of these poses the greatest threat to the world? Is it another kind of Middle East conundrum? Religious and ethnic hatred. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. So they recognize it as a problem, except they don't recognize their contribution to said problem. Well, no, because I'm sure if Michelle Bachman had been surveyed in this after she gave her speech about Moses on the House right. floor in the United States of America. Racial and ethnic hatred. Because um, he hated the Midianites a lot. So... So, you know, it's it's another thing. It's just the same thing where people don't they don't turn the lens in on themselves. You know what I mean? Isn't that it seems so simple that if you can recognize it as a problem, why don't you look within yourself and make sure those behaviors aren't being on display? And, you know, so when the Duck Dynasty idiots, when they think that the biggest problem to our world, hypothetically, I'm assuming that, that they would think that I'm just saying it. They think that the biggest problem to our world would be ethnic and religious hatred, yet they promulgate ethnic and religious hatred on a daily basis. That's that's bizarre to me. It's bizarre. Well, and being so so staunch and and the way that Michelle Bachman is, she's opposed to gay rights and and all these things. And there's many Republicans that... Vaccines. (laughs) Yeah, there's many Republicans that feel that way and are open about opposing gay rights and and using their religion as a force to oppress people. Yes. And that doesn't make people happy. And that should be part of the religious and ethnic divide that's a threat. For sure. Which they're involved in. So it's not just they're looking at the other side. Like Michelle Bachman would probably answer it and feel that she's answering it because of... Muslims right. and well, Islam. She looks at herself as a victim, that if there's a war on Christianity, there's a war on Christmas, there's a war on all these things she holds dear, rather than looking at the fact that she's waging a war against the beliefs of others. Right. It's just bizarre. So what is next? We have two pieces from Pew Research. What's the next one? For the first time in more than two decades of Pew Research Center surveys, there is more support for gun rights than gun control. Currently, 52% say it is more important to protect the right of Americans to own guns, while 46% say it is more important to control gun ownership. Name those percentages one more time. 52 say it's more important... To protect the right. Yeah. And 46% say it's more important to control the gun. That's a big margin. That's a that's a huge margin. What? Uh, how many people were surveyed? 1,507. So a substantial amount. It's not a small sample size. Right. That's, that's fascinating to me. Um, 
I really I'm shocked by that. I thought that it would have gone the other way that because in the onset of all the shootings and everything else that's happened that people would really want to control guns, but it gives me a little hope that people are not so knee-jerk about these issues that there there is an importance to protecting people's right under our constitution to to protect their right to bear arms. So while you were talking, I wasn't listening to you, Great. and I was reading the the data here. That never happens. And I'm just like so shocked. This is so amazing. So so they're comparing December 2012 to December 2014. Okay. And they asked the same question, and it's, it's, does gun ownership in this country do more to protect people from being victims of crime or put people's safety at risk. So mm. they asked people these questions and they had to choose which one that they thought was true. Now, from 2012 to 2014, there are the highest change has been in the black population. They believe what? They changed their opinion. So at first, there was more blacks, 52% saying that guns put people's safety at risk. Huh. But now... 54% of blacks say it protects people from being crime victims. I think that's it's a 20 it's a 25 point increase. Yeah, that's that is um almost like they want to re should revisit the data and see if it's, there's an error because it's so radical. It it's in two amazing. years that kind of an uh, ideological shift is is mind-numbing. That's huge. Right. And then the conservative Republican and Republican has also increased quite a bit by 16 and 17 points since 2012 to 2014 in believing that it protects people from being crime victims. Yeah, I think where it relates to the Republicans, though, I think that that might be the fact that when there's some kind of uprising or when people fear that they're going to have their guns taken away or their gun rights might be in jeopardy, then those numbers are going to increase pretty heavily because of that fact. So, but I don't know that with the the black community. I don't know. I would, uh, I'd love to get somebody on and ask them more about that data because that's super interesting to see where they think that comes from or just talk to somebody about it. That's um, beyond my <laughs> my scope of ability to analyze. That's awesome. Right. I mean, it's very interesting too, especially with everything that's going on in the news. Yeah. Yeah. Know. For sure. That maybe they feel with everything that's been going on with violence toward that population yeah. that, hey, maybe if we had something to protect ourselves, we wouldn't be killed by police. Yeah. Or I don't know. I mean, pulling a cop on a gun is probably not going to get the job done that you yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. But it might fake, make you feel more secure toward crime. Right, right. And also, you know, a, a lot of people, that, that when people think about the blacks in, 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 in Ferguson and the issue there... They just think about the looters. They don't think about the innocent, sta upstanding citizens who weren't looting businesses. The woman with the bakery or the woman with the salon or the, 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 the countless businesses that were burnt and vandalized and robbed and, and, and ripped off. Th those people probably would feel a lot safer with right. a gun to protect their, their life, liberty, property. Um, and I could see that for sure being, being a contributing factor to this increase. Right. And I think the increase in school shootings, probably, that's being portrayed in the media makes people feel a little more cautious and probably want to protect themselves, too. Yeah, for sure. So what's up next? Well, every year, the British Medical Journal releases a Christmas edition with some offbeat, silly research. 
And this year, they released a study about which gender is more likely to die as a result of doing something <laughs> dumb. So would you like to guess which gender it is? Let me guess. Is it, it must be women, right? No. <laughs> In fact, if you Google this study, all the links that you see will have something that says study confirms that men are dumb. Like yeah, that's well. that's the title it's been going around, which is kind of unfortunate because it's not not true. You know, you guys aren't idiots, but they analyze the Darwin Award winners and yeah. the Darwin Awards are a tongue in cheek honor originating in Usenet News Group. You know, when I was in when I was in the United States Marine Corps, Jesse was a Marine, everybody. Um, we, toward the end of my time, I worked in an office and every, I think Friday there, like the Darwin award winner would come across on the fax machine and we would read them and they were super funny because we would, we would go through and laugh about these different situations and kind of comment on how this person decided to do what they were doing or got themselves into whatever predicament. Right. So the Darwin Awards are they recognize individuals who have supposedly contributed to human evolution by self-selecting themselves out of the gene pool. Right. So all of these people, if you won the Darwin Award, it means you're dead and that you, you know, the, the, the survival of the fittest and you clearly were not one of the fittest. <laughs> Right. So males apparently accounted for 88.7% of Darwin Award winners during 1995. And that would have been about the time I was in the Marine Corps. And 2014. Hmm. So during that span, 88.7% of those winners are male. Wow. So, yeah, they it's kind of a, it's kind of a funny joke research study. It's not real. Yeah. Yeah. But they they talk about that. This is evidence in support of the male idiot theory. The observation <laughs> that men are idiots and idiots do stupid things. So, well, that an argument could be made that that is fact. So, yeah, that is good. I uh, I like that kind of research because one, it's funny and anecdotally, you know, kind of true, too. Taking care of biz. Anderson Cooper. Yeah. Everybody's favorite newsman. My favorite newsman. How can he not be someone's favorite? He was recently featured on Finding Your Roots, a PBS special. They also featured it on CNN, but... Something interesting happened while Anderson was learning about his ancestry. Well, if you don't know, Anderson Cooper comes from immense, immense wealth. And he is, you know, I would say somewhat of a self-made guy. But he he's a Vanderbilt. His mom was Gloria Vanderbilt. And his dad or his great, 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 whatever grandfather built the railroads. Right. He was a, a railroad magnate. So, um he they did this whole roots thing where they went back into his into his history and we got a little clip for you one of the most commonly used documents in our research the federal census revealed something that we've never seen in all our years of ancestry investigation and it shocked us now this is the 1860 wow. u.s census holy crap burwell boykin cause of death Killed by Negro. Boykin was murdered by a rebellious slave. Wow. Your ancestor was beaten to death with a farm hoe. 
my God. That's amazing. This is incredible. <laughs> I'm blown away. You think he deserved it? Yeah. <laughs> you do? I have no doubt. It's a horrible way to die, Anderson. He had 12 slaves. I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> okay. Honestly, part of me thinks that's awesome. But it is your blood ancestor. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't want to offend other relatives of mine. <laughs> I feel bad for the man who killed him. And I feel bad for the 11 other unnamed people who God only knows what happened to them. So it should be apparent why Anderson is in the Taking Care of Biz segment, because that is awesome, what he said. Yeah, it's, it's well, you know, he's he's a cerebral guy. He's also, I think, has a lot of empathy. And if you owned slaves, you were a bad person. And right. that would include Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. They were bad people in that way. It was a terrible thing. Now, I think... The Deep South is where a lot of the terrible, terrible treatment of slaves came. But um, if you own slaves, there's a part of you that was uh, not a good person. And that's that's just the way it is. And I love how even though it's his family, he, even yeah. though he doesn't know the guy, I mean, so he doesn't know him. Right. But he, even though it's his family, his blood, he says, yeah, I mean, he was a bad guy. <laughs> he needed to go. So that's fine. <laughs> And then he goes so far to say, I feel bad for the 11 other slaves that yeah. were unfortunately owned by him. One of our favorites, Anderson Cooper, for sure, is is one of our favorites. I think uh, I think that's it. What do you think? I also think that's it. Wow. We agree. Mm-hmm. That is that is a remarkable phenomenon. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Listen, um, I do want to do this Ten Commandments thing or Twelve Commandments thing or Fifteen Commandments or Five Commandments, whatever. Call us. Give us feedback. It doesn't have to be long. You know, you can leave one. You could leave the 15. I don't care. Uh, Again, 657-464-7609. I doubt it at dollamore.com. We would love to hear from you. Let's get this thing going. We will cement a modern day um, code, if you will that all good people should follow. I think that's going to be it. Listen, if you want to support the show, other than being a dedicated listener and spending time with us twice a week, you can go to dollamore.com. Up in the top right-hand corner, there's a link that says support the show. Along the side, there's an Amazon search bar somewhere there. If you're going to spend your money anyway on Amazon to buy Christmas presents, books, and gifts for your loved ones, you can do it there. There's also the link to the aforementioned Patreon page, which we talked about at the top of the show. Listen, we love you very much for supporting us every single way that you do. It means the world to us. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. I have no idea where an Applebee's is.